There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to 47 Survivors on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast on the ABC TV series The Crossing. I'm Terry. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and we'll be discussing episode five of season one of The Crossing. Oh, my God. It seems like two episodes since I've been here. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. How about that? It's been Wow. I can't believe the way this is going. I know. This one was a total mind blow. I know. It was so good. Yeah. Well, before we jump in, Steve has squirreled out some ratings news, so let's talk about that. All right, episode five brought in a 0.5 and a two share in adults 18 to 49 with 3.80 million viewers. The live plus seven days for episode two tied for 22nd in adults 18 to 49 total gain going from a 0.8 to a 1.4 for increase of 0.6. It tied for 22nd in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain, increasing by 75%. Mm. It was 16th in viewers total gain. There you go. Going from 4.485 to 7.282 million viewers for an increase of 2.797 million viewers. And it tied for 16th in viewers percentage gain, increasing by 62%. Yeah. Yeah, I like that 7.282 million viewers for Live Plus 7 Days. That's yeah. nice. And I like the teens for placement, 16 yes. as opposed to 22nd. I like the yeah. teens. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's impressive. Certainly is. When that happens. Yeah. All righty. So, episode five. Who's got this one this time? Who gets to tell us the scenario? I guess I should do it since I was absent. I was out of school last week. Episode 5 here is called 10 Years Gone. The synopsis' flashbacks reveal a haunting connection between Marshall and the early migration. Meanwhile, Jude investigates a mysterious disappearance, and Sophie risks her life and career to help Reese save her daughter. Dun, dun, dun. Right. But the way that they just said that part, it's like, mm, really, though? I yeah. know we'll get to it, but that, that last <laughs> few words there. Yeah. Really? Well, Not really. Yeah, I don't know. There was a point where uh, it might have been life-threatening. Uh, All right. Somebody take us into it, because I'm still like, hmm. Sean is skeptical of science, I, ladies and gentlemen. I am a lot, if you haven't figured that part out. <laughs> Not science so much, but just that line. You said now. Science! what I get skeptical about. <laughs> well, it's just because we're so used to sci-fis that are one sentence and say absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so Sean is an anti-synopsis, so let me just write that down. <laughs> 
All right. Well, let's talk about Marshall seeing that his backstory played a major role in this episode. And we find out that the incident that haunts Marshall's past is a car accident that killed his mother 10 years ago. So I was totally wrong. Right. (laughs) I don't know. I feel a little better about that, but I feel really bad when we found out the details. Yeah. And his nightmare, he's having nightmares of the faithful night from time to time. And of course, during the latest version of this nightmare, he recalls an interesting detail. His father swerved off the road because a group of people appeared out of nowhere. Whoa! And that was a pretty awesome effect because it looked like kind of a little fog and then it lifted and there's people there and you just, no wonder his dad just lost it right there. Damn jaywalkers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that was an awful All right. lot. I mean, he yeah, well, into yeah. him, but that would have been a, a mess. And they mentioned about his dad being drunk. Did he strike you guys as though he was particularly drunk? No. No. He just seemed like he was yapping away with everybody in the car. Right. But of course, I, I'm sure that he did have a drink or maybe oh, sure, sure. dinner, but yeah, no, he was not drunk or did yeah. not. Maybe legally drunk, but he wasn't <laughs> acting it. Right. Because all three of them were joking with each other, you know, back and forth in the car. So and later on, they mentioned about his drunk. Marshall says, or somebody says about his father being drunk. And I was like, really? Yeah. Didn't think so. No. Yeah, I no. didn't feel that either. No. So, of course, the next morning, he pays Deputy Nestor a visit who happened to be one of the first responders then. And you go, okay, now we have a bit of an idea of Nestor's experience level here because he's been doing this at least 10 years. Yeah. So that he's not just a comic relief. He actually has some um, abilities to be able to do this for 10 years, but he's still not buying it. And, of course, reminding Marshall that yes, his father was just drunk and on and on and on. So yeah. that's Weird. gonna be hard. I mean, I understand you're trying to be like, listen, it's been ten years. You've got to try to get past this, which I don't know if you can really ever get past that. But just outright oh, hell saying, no. but your dad was drunk and he's just been babbling about that same story forever. He's held on to that same story then for ten years, and I mean, this is the first time that. Marshall's actually saying the same thing and, like, corroborating. Right. You know, maybe you need to, like, not look at him and be like, oh, this is all total crap. But at the same time, I'm kind of thinking if Nestor wasn't part of that first group and it's only been 10 years, then, okay, maybe I can, like, move my eyes from the side looking at Nestor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what you tell a kid. Right. right. And, and you, you know, he said... Yeah, he was one of the first ones there, and they found no trace of people. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, given what, probably at a half hour, maybe an hour before the authorities were notified that there was an accident. Right. And you don't so, know yeah, which they way had they time went, to which way disappear. The, yeah, which way the cops were coming from, which way the people walked off to. What were they supposed to leave behind? Like candy wrappers? I mean, what, I don't understand. <laughs> at least, yeah. at least. 
<laughs> muddy footprints or what? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a Johnny Bench autographed baseball might have uh, been nice that, to look on. <laughs> there we go. That would have been proof. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that's the other thing, even though they've never talked about it. Like, you could almost imagine Marshall at some point, maybe, or if not using it as an excuse, at least mentioning it. And maybe Jude and Nestor kind of think you're using it as an excuse about the whole thing with his father dying, or his father having the accident, his mother dying, and all this stuff. And, you know, so maybe Marshall at one point might have said, hey, I've been through a lot of crap here. And, of course, he seems to be the local bad boy. Right. So, you know, he's never said that so far. He didn't say it in this one, but you could see him doing that. What do you want me to do? I've been through a lot. And right. then la- later on, here comes the story again. At least Nestor, if not both Jude and Nestor, are like, yeah, we know. We know. Ten years ago, we know. You know, yeah. so. So, of course, he meets with one of his buds for breakfast. Yeah. That is immediately interrupted by his father. Yeah, his buddy got out of town quick. Like, he's like, oh, I'll catch up to you later. Pew, right out that door. And, right, yep. and after have, spending a few minutes with his father, I can understand why he yeah. did, because his father was a mess. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Oh. He's still, I mean, holding on to that guilt and grief and right. hoping that Marshall doesn't end up like, probably blaming himself for all the crap Marshall's gotten into. Yes. I wouldn't doubt it. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. The man is just beating himself by the minute Mm -hmm. of being a lousy husband, a lousy father, and a lousy person all the way around. Because Marshall admits that to him that he saw the people. He wasn't drunk. And the, the father says, nope, I was drunk. I killed my wife and your mother. You just yep. go, oh, geez, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after 10 years of everybody saying that to you, at some point, he's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I'm right. Really drunk. So, I mean, I can see that almost like he's trying to protect his son. Like, I don't want you to be a stock here. Just let it go. It's yeah. yeah, you need to get out of here and move on and actually gives him what money, money he has. Yeah. Which, that was rough seeing him do that. Right. Like, oh, that's a little painful. Yeah. My heart breaks. Yeah. So we next next seem at the scene of the accident, staring off into the abyss, shall we say. Yeah. When his sort of girlfriend pulls up and basically informs him that, yeah, I got the place in L.A. and I'm packing and going and... She really was, didn't think he would come. And out of nowhere, he says, yeah, I'm going. Yep. Yeah, I kind of figured that wasn't happening. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't believe that one. Mm-mm. No, there's too many pokers in the fire yeah. to uh, be that easy for him. That's for sure. Exactly. Especially when they get a hold of him. Nestor meets him at the at his trailer and says, you need to come down to us, to the station. Jude wants to talk to you. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because all of a sudden it's like, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah. What'd I do this time? <laughs> yeah. I, I do nothing. <laughs> but I mean, that was bad too, because he does go down there and then 
apparently missed the time to meet up with this girl. Yeah. Right. And then she got pissy. He's like, give me a little bit more time. And yeah, I know well, who we are. <laughs> yeah, but how many times did he, he must have said that more than once. I mean, they established yeah. early that he was seriously considering leaving town. Yeah. So he's probably said that to her more than a couple of times. And he's probably sometimes been a little more gung ho and other times he's kind of hemmed and hawed about it. So when he finally says, okay, and she's like looking at him, really? It's yeah. probably the most definitive okay that he's given her. And then back out of it immediately. Yeah, and it wasn't even his fault. I mean, he's down at the station. Right. I, mean, I could you know? I didn't read what it said, didn't he? I thought he put that he was at the station. No? I think he did. Think he or did. he was and tied up, and she still called him a coward. Coward, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. But I'm going to be honest, because Hannah called, I didn't think he was going to even try to leave. But when he picked up his bag after he talked to her, I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. I, I thought the the phone call from Hannah would be the thing that would keep him there, yeah. not being down at the station. But he was well, ready to walk out when Nestor showed up. So I was surprised she called him because Caleb was the one that found it. He's the one that answered the phone, right? Originally, and then she got the phone. What she steal it from him, or did he give it to her? No, she says that he, Caleb gave it to her after she explained she say who it? he was. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which kind of surprised... Yeah, no, nah, I remember that. Yeah, and that kind of surprised me that he would do that. Because, you know, Marshall is a, a 2018 local. Right. He's not one of the, the first or second migrations. So I was... I was kind of surprised when she said that Caleb did that, that he would be okay with her having it back. Is there something about Marshall that... Well, maybe she know, explained she, about she, the picture in her locket. That's what I was going to say. There's something about that locket, and maybe she explained it to Caleb. Yeah, maybe that's Right, what, that it's somebody that they can trust. And I have a feeling Caleb is growing, shall we say, a little wary of not being... Still being in the camp. Oh, yeah. And not being kind of sent on their way to make their own lives. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, I think having an outside connection is something that Caleb sees as a positive. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. Now, of course, something was right. Something was going on outside of Hannah's place, and that's why she was had to hang up real quick. Yeah. Now, we don't know if that's what kind of ruckus that is, if it has anything to do with her or not. I think they were playing horseshoes. Yeah. Lawn <laughs> <laughs> darts. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when they say, like, the one uh, cop who was there is like, hey, you give him a coloring book and some pencils, and they think you did him a big favor or something. Right. So maybe they brought him some lawn darts. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Sheriff Jude, shall we? Sheriff Jude, don't be so sad. (laughs) Well, he's going to be sad because nobody knows what happened happened to Emma, except that she arranged for those two to meet the next day. But Mm. unbeknownst to Sheriff, but notes to us, she got shot. Yeah, that could really mess up your day. Well, I think now, you know, his, like, spidey sense is tingling, too, because as he's waiting and leaving messages, 
have Agent Foster kind of meander into the the mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, hey, have you seen Emma or talked to her? And Jude, he's kind of like, what do you mean? Nobody's heard from her? I talked to her yesterday, and he's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. No, yeah, okay. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to be concerned about the way you're acting right now, Foster. Right. Yeah. A little too casual. Right. Oh, have you seen her? No. Oh. Oh, no worries. Yeah. I don't think so. Sorry. I'm going to say that now, if he wasn't suspicious before, he definitely is now. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely he is. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, he immediately goes check out, checks out Emma's hotel room. Yeah. Who, (laughs) she has like a standing reservation with them. It's like, okay. Right. Apparently the long Well, that. Yeah, that's staying there in town yeah. while she's working the thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, that that's not too surprising. But what was surprising was the owner informed him that she's been using a public computer in the lobby when her laptop's right there. Yep. Yeah. Huh. I'm gonna need that computer. Yeah. <laughs> this town isn't so small that they have computer people who are able to check it out. Woohoo! And it's yeah. like, why wouldn't she? Look up some of this stuff on her own network and why, you know, on her encrypted drive. No, it's kind of out there on a public, private drive that can be easily hacked. Right. Basically, it's like, okay, let's hope somebody's smart enough to follow these breadcrumbs. Right. And, of course, he takes it to a guy who gets into it and says, well, yeah, there's nothing on the hard drive, but I checked the browser history and... Wow, I found all these maps of Fort Canaan from 10 years ago, as well as a folder on her boss, Lindauer. Dun, dun, dun. Right? Too bad we didn't see Eve on there. Yeah. At least not yet. <laughs> no. I don't know. I, I'm starting to think that Emma had had really questioned things even earlier than we seen. So that is well, possible. That's why she's using the public computer, yeah. because she knows that using the company one that she's got in her room, you know, they're going to track everything she does. Right. Yeah. Lindauer yeah. would be all over it in a heartbeat. Exactly. It's like when she called in a couple of weeks ago about information and they had no information about uh, the beach. You know, and the woman on the other end, may I have your badge number, please? Click. And then yeah. it's <laughs> right up. You know. So right there, she's like, they're watching everything. Yep. Jude will figure that out. I hope so. He's smart. He'll figure that out. I'm sure right now, when he first went in there and then the guy tells him about the public computer, my first thought within the first few seconds was, well, that makes no sense. And I was like, oh, wait, well, she's been trying to cover her tracks so they can't follow her. Duh. So Jude will get there. Yep. So back at the office, Nestor comes in and delivers a report to Jude about the military guy Reese killed and dumped at the fairground. Hey, no. And Jude tells him, I'll take care of it. <laughs> That's not suspicious yeah. or anything. No, not at all. Not at all. And finally says, bud, have a seat. We need to talk. <laughs> He's not the Russian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a little info I might need to share with you. Yeah. Now, I, I like the way that they started the conversation, then kind of cut to another scene, and then basically came back after the conversation. Mm-hmm. 
so we don't have to go through all that exposition that I'm sure Jude had to to get Nestor up to speed. Yeah. And he's not real happy that he wasn't told from the beginning, but he's on board. And then he kind of uh, walks himself right into probably the biggest clue so far as he muses about how if the current survivors didn't plan to end up in the ocean, then the first group must have appeared on land. Hey, now. And you see him thinking about that. And then the light bulb goes off. Ding! Right. <laughs> like, we need some oh. information. Yes, get Marshall here stat. <laughs> I want to see those maps that uh, she was looking up of Port Canaan. Right. Because mm. sure enough, they bring Marshall in and tell him, we believe everything you're saying. Which after yeah. all this time from... What happened to his dad? I don't know if Marshall's going to be too relieved or if he's just going to be kind of ticked. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. And of course, while he, when he gets that text from his girlfriend, sort of girlfriend, we'll call her, huh. he turns away from them. And sure enough, he's look, you know, looking down texting and he sees the file that Jude had on his desk. I was on his fax machine or his copier though, wasn't it? Pictures? No, it was just on his desk. Was that on his desk? Was, okay. It was in a file folder because that's the file folder that Nestor brought in. Right, right. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And he, uh, there was enough of the picture hanging out that he went ahead and pulls it out and says, oh, this is the guy who came down and wouldn't help us. Yeah. And that's where everything starts to take a whole other turn. Yes. We get into the weird stuff. Yeah, because we haven't had enough weird stuff yet. Right. Cue the Twilight Zone music. (laughs) Hmm. And see, that's my question about, we've mentioned here once or maybe more than once about, they said they didn't plan to land in the water, the second group. Right. Right. So, you know, you're thinking, well, maybe uh, from the future that there wasn't any water there at that point, you know, but then this other group started 10 years. And my first thought was, well, if that's 10 years difference, then all that water that was washing up on the beach, that big body of water, wouldn't have come there in 10 years. No. But still, they're coming from the future back. So clearly, this first group, shall we say, uh, was better at the steering controls? Yeah. <laughs> or at Just least a little. They're like, all right, well, this area is not populated. It's further right. Let's go here. Right. I'd still like to know how they ended up coming through and they ended up in the water. I'd, I'd They're probably going to say, you know, we were saying on an earlier episode at some point about maybe there was a a drought of some kind in the future, kind of like the blight in Fringe. Right. Maybe there was a drought in that whole area of that body of water that was washing up on the beach that we saw in the uh, first episode. Maybe that was all dried out. That's possible. You know, you're talking 150 years roughly in the future that they're coming back from. More than enough time to dry out. Oh, yeah. So before we get into the first migration, we actually have Eve and Lindauer meeting. And Lindauer is not a happy camper that she ends up shooting a federal officer. Do you blame him? Oh, hell no. Exactly. How is that going to get covered up? Right. Especially because it was in her back. Yeah. Yeah, It's not like... (laughs) 
oh, the bad guy she was chasing. No, because she was shot in the back. Well, in this day and age, that'll stand. But that's a whole other commentary. (laughs) (laughs) Did I say that? Was that some of those inside words that came outside? I'm sorry. Please don't edit us out, Skype. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, it goes dead. Anyway. Yeah. Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello, anybody here? (laughs) Yeah, he's he's not thrilled at all. And this is where I started to feel more clarity about my uncertainty about this now first group. Because I thought, well, you know, are are they Apex? But they're talking about the Apex in negative terms. Then we got, you know, the flashback, I guess we're going to talk about in our breakdown here. And so it kind of fleshed it out that it was like, okay, well, these are, they're not the evil people that Apex has been purported to be. Probably caused, if that body of water is not there 150 years in the future, probably caused all the problems that the future might have. You know, but they're also just like the commoners, the, the non-Apex folk. Right. But they've done a lot of nasty crap <laughs> in, in, in 10 years since getting there, you know. So that clarified it for me because I was like, well, are they Apex? And then we had a couple of things like, oh, well, they're talking about Apex in, in a not good way. So maybe they're common folk. Right. And some of them have just risen into a higher position like Lindauer. Okay. But still wasn't sure. So this kind of gave me a little more clarity about them. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I was I so that. irritated because they made it seem like they'd been there for a really, really long time. Right. Yeah. That's like longer than you think. Ten years isn't. Right. That long yeah. a time. Exactly. No. no. <laughs> I guess he thought uh, the guy must have thought like a couple of weeks ago or something. <laughs> longer than you think. Uh... Oh, see, that could be possible because obviously time travel. So we don't right. know. They could have left like a week beforehand. I didn't even think about that, Terry. Yeah. Wibbly wobbly. Okay. Moving on. Yeah, the plate that was on uh, Marshall's family's vehicle said 2008. Yeah. Yeah. And Eve says, well, that's close enough. Exactly. Exactly. So they were looking for a particular year. Clearly. (laughs) If she's saying, looking at the plate, that's close enough. Right. Or could it be they were looking for a different state? I think it has to be the date because they said something. That's what I'm in with. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, then, of course, the the second group that came, which had 500. Yeah. Apparently, we still don't know how many came over in the first migration. I'm assuming it's that bunch we saw on the road. Right. So maybe this other 500 to escape the war, like Hannah first said, maybe they were like, well, they just left. It might have been the day before. It might have been that day. You know, they might have left in the daytime and the second group uh, left at night. Because some of the scenes they've shown in flashback, it kind of looks like it's nighttime, but I don't know if that's because they're inside some kind of contraption or whatever. But, yeah, it could have been the same day, but they just ended up 10 years apart. Well, and through the, you know, when we see that they get notified that there was another migration. Yeah. And they got the group together that of everybody that they could get together. They seemed pretty upset that it actually happened, and and why wasn't everything destroyed when they left? So I kind of think that it they did disappear quite a bit before this set came. I think they there is has been that ten years on both in both timelines. Oh, really? Yeah, Ooh. I think so. So you think the second group? Also got here in 08, or really the show is set in 2026? 
<laughs> no. Oh, no, 2028. It'd be 10 years ahead. Right. No, I think the the first migration was in tw- 2008. Right. And then the second one was in 2018. Okay. That's the 10 years yeah. difference. Right. I think that second group came, and this kind of lends me to think that maybe it was a longer time period. It could have been the same day or the next day that they traveled, but they ended up 10 years difference than the first group. But I kind of think that this second group of, of, of apparently a larger number, maybe they failed because of the number of people. Right. If, if that More group likely. Would, yeah, if that group we saw on the road was the totality of the first migration, which is kind of what they're making us think. Yeah, a couple dozen people at least. Yeah, maybe they were waiting in the future to see if things would change. Kind of like if you change the past, then the future is going to automatically shift. And maybe the future would have shifted, but it didn't shift fast enough for them. Or because the first group had their little champagne toast and they accomplished everything that they thought they should that the future still hadn't changed. Maybe the war was still going on. Maybe the apex still came about to be. Right, yeah. yes. They absolutely knew that as soon as this, yeah. the second migration showed up. They That was one thing they said. Everything we've done hasn't changed anything. hasn't changed exactly. the timeline yet. Exactly, yeah. So that second group probably came because the first group probably came, as they've been saying. I th- I don't think they're throwing us a curveball. They came to change the past because the apex in the future had screwed everything up so bad. Right. They wanted to do the time thing, change the past and the future shifts, you know, into a different reality. And uh, and that was their sole intent. And I think the second group came simply to, as Hannah said, to get away from the war. Right. To escape. Yeah. Well, say, well go ahead, you go ahead. have like this first migration who said they have a list. And there was 27 people who were supposed to be directly involved with APEC. Right. And that they had to be taken out. Right. But like every other kind of time travel, with the exception of Doctor Who, you know, if you <laughs> if you mess with something in the past, the future might change. Like if you're looking at butterfly effect, or it might not because, like they said in Days of Future Past, the river will go around the rock that you throw and still end up going the same way. Right. You know, so it's like... Or like Back to the Future, it, it creates an alternative reality. Right. It could be so <laughs> many things. It totally depends on which sci-fi geek you are. Oh, it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, in the time machine. You can't change the past because the past is the reason that you are going to the past in from the future. There's no way to change it. Right. So it's like, all right, is it just a giant wibbly wobbly and there's no nothing that's going to make a difference. Right. And it starts to make me think that, especially when they find out about the second migration and it being so large. Yeah. And when they're all back together talking, all of a sudden it's like, listen, we need a much bigger swath cut through this cloth mm-hmm. than in the past. It's like, oh my God. Yep. When they start talking about that, Anybody who has a marker, it's like, it's like X-Men when they're like going to mark all the mutants who are people who possibly right, have exactly. DNA. It's like, wow, you're talking about possibly millions of people. Mm-hmm. They even said, are you sure you want to kill that many? Yeah, Lindauer. Right. Yeah, Lindauer. I mean, he showed them, yeah, showed the most humanity. He's like, are you really sure you want to kill that many people? 
and he couldn't even kill the his assigned target. Yeah, because the guy had a kid with yeah. him. Right. Yeah, he was standing outside, and his kid ran out and gave him a hug outside the house. So, yeah, this Eve seems to be kind of the driving force and emphasis on the word force out of all of this. It seems like they probably had good intentions to change the past so that these 27 people or, or whoever were taken out so that Apex never could come to be. But it seems like this Eve has got something else cooking up in her crock pot. <laughs> she, came, she came back into the past for another reason. Well, I think it's pretty interesting, too, that when they finally get on the same page, they're like, wait a second, the Apex, meaning Reese, needs to be taken alive? Big yeah, they mark. need to get her DNA. And he's like, yep. oh, yeah, huh? Good luck. We saw what your, how well your security officer did. So you got Jake, who's the mathematician, but I didn't see a whole lot of other um, high-level intelligent people in there that is going to be able to come up with some kind of way to lure Reese to a place and capture her unless they take Leah before Reese can get her out of the compound. That's what I think they're going to do. Yep. <laughs> oh, Lindauer will be in on that. Yeah. Since he's in since he's in charge of the camp. Yeah. Which he now we got not in so many words, but we now got that backstory where he got control of it so that now he's basically they're the lab he didn't use this language, but they're basically the lab rats and we can keep them there. Yeah. Because if because if we open up the gates and let the lab rats start running around, then all the stuff we worked on might get screwed up. Right. They can you be know, exposed and so on and so forth. And so basically, he's kind of done that to kind of keep a lid on those who survived and keep them separated from the world. Whereas now, I think Eve is going to push him to do something far more nefarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what Eve is saying is kind of going to play in with Dr. Sophie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So we have Sophie actually stepping up, though, and I, I was starting to wonder what she was going to actually do. Yeah. She managed to steal a key card and get into a lab at some kind of institute. I know. And let me just say, like, I was cringing a lot during this lab part. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and if you happen to watch one of our other shows that's over yes. like, Into the Badlands, there was a moment that I was like, totally doing the kind of the same thing. There's blood and needles and such involved. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> but when you see Reese, is like, oh, just give it to me. Like, Sophie's talking, trying to talk her through it. It's like, okay, listen, we're going to come up with an antidote. We need some of this. I'm going to just cut you. And she's walking Reese through it. And Reese just, like, give me that thing. Just cuts herself and, like, jabs that needle into her hip bone. Yeah. So what was she drawing? That had to be... Bone marrow. Bone marrow, yeah, because I was like, I thought she was going to draw blood. That's no, what I was she needed bone first, marrow. But no, yeah, she's right. It's like going deep, and Sophie's like, oh, so you don't feel pain? She's like, no, I feel it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> everybody watching right now is feeling it. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> like when she took when she took the knife to cut herself, I was like, you need to cut a slit in you to take a needle to draw out blood. Because my first thought was she's drawing out blood. 
I was like, that's kind of like overkill. It's like, wow, yeah. you like you like you apex people do everything to the extreme. Right. It's like at least use the alcohol swab, okay? Like clean the air. Yeah. And then she's yeah, like jamming it first. Puts the needle in right where she's cutting. I'm like, well, that's kind of like overkill, isn't it? And then she's like jamming a needle in. I was like, what in the? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. Thank you. It's going to be like Videodrome, you know, it's like shove the needle in you and bring it out like five scenes later. Here, here's a needle for you. Yeah, it's really messed up. But then she kind of gets panicky because Sophie's talking to her like this whole time is, you know, she's trying to come up with the anti antivirus. And all of a sudden Reese is like, oh, my God, why are you stalling? Are we surrounded? And she's like, no, what are you talking about, crazy lady? <laughs> she's like, no, 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 calm down. And I really thought Reese was going to lose it and something was going to go really bad for Sophie here. Right. Yeah, this was the part where I, I'm right there with you, that I wasn't sure that Sophie was going to make it out of there. Nope. But, I mean, she does seem really sincere that she wants right. to save Leia. But, I don't know, Reese, I think, has just been on edge for so long that she's not going to be able to really trust anybody. Well, would I you if you were in her condition? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. But... Then when we have a security guard decide to come in, and Sophie's trying to tell her, oh, you can put the biological stuff underneath, there's like a bird can. She's like, no, none of my biological material gets out. And right here you have that, and you have what the first migration is like, we need her biological material. I'm like, right. Uh Yeah, yeah. Because if Sophie tells Lindauer that she has the a second vial, they've got it made. Right. And and they actually end up becoming Apex. Oh, God. <laughs> Trying to stop Apex. That. All right, now you just upset me, Steve. That's all there is. <laughs> what in the hell? Steve took a jump I wasn't ready for. <laughs> hey, somebody else had to go off that cliff besides Marshall's parents. Oh, <laughs> too soon, Steve. Too soon. Yeah, come on, man. It's only been 10 years, bro. He's lighting up. <laughs> Back off, man. You should be at the White House Correspondence Center. Uh, but <laughs> um, but yeah, but it was slick the way Reese was able to just grab his gun and fling it behind oh, her. Right into yeah. the wall. Into the wall. Yeah. Oh, it in the wall. I was like, yes. I think it took a second. He's looking like, uh, what, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, you know the job she's getting disarmed, but not like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know the job she could get as a contractor? Right? Just like break down. The I mean, she could like embed embed nails like with her pinky. I mean, she could have a house up in like 24 hours. You know, I was like, whoa. There's those nails like dark. Yeah. Be like, oh, you use a power tacker? <laughs> That's quaint. <laughs> <laughs> but I think. I, you guys have to back me up because I'm not 100%. She did not actually kill the security guard, right? No. Okay. No. I don't think so. She freaked him the hell out at that point, and he's like, I gotta go. I do not just make enough money for this. Yeah. Right, because Sophie is panicked as they're walking out, and Reese tells her to walk natural. Don't worry about it. You're covered. If they come to you, just say, I took you hostage. Yeah. Yeah. Put it on me, she yeah. said, yeah. And then let me know how Leah does. And of course, when we get yeah. there, Leah looks horrible. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Looked like worse than when I was on a bender. Oh. <laughs> Poor kid. Poor kid. 
I know. Well, speaking of poor kid, the last thing Reese tells Sophie as she gives her the keys to the vehicle is, yeah, your mom abandoned you because your heart's not right. I can hear your irregular heartbeat. You go. But how did you know that her mom left her on some steps? I mean... Well, Sophie had actually said that earlier in their conversations in the lab. Yes. I must have missed that. Yeah, I missed that too. Yeah, Yeah. she she had mentioned that she her mom had abandoned her at a very early age. Uh, Because when she said that to Sophie, I was like, wow, she's psychic too. Far out. No, she just got uh, okay. super duper hearing. If you can hear somebody's heartbeat and tell yeah. that it's irregular, you go, whoa. Right. I don't think anybody can hear the heartbeat like David Cassidy did, but let's <laughs> move on. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, suddenly, administering this. Now, as she decides to push this antidote through the IV, I'm like, all right, this <clears throat> is not going to be super fast. And yet, wrong. super fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay then. Because the rash starts clearing up, the fever's coming down. It's like, oh, okay, the kid's going to be cured. Great. But for how long? She opens her eyes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, well, ah. from what Reese told us, it sounded like it would be a couple of years at least before she would need the next one. Yeah. They she kind told, of, yeah. told Sophie that, yeah, every couple of years. Yeah. 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 Which is not a bad thing, but, uh, oof. That's now, of course, we, yeah, the, the one nurse goes, how did you do this? And Sophie goes, it wasn't me. <laughs> you go, shut up, Sophie. You're yeah. giving people clues. It was my Mr. Wizard home, <laughs> uh, home science kit. Right. Yeah. And then to give us something else to brood about. Another child has apparently fallen ill, and one of the nurses goes, oh, well, this is, it's got to be Mantle's disease, because there's a rash here. That didn't even kind of guy, look like a rash. What's wrong with No, her? it did no. not. What kind of nurse are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one who has never watched any episodes of Rawhide. <laughs> <laughs> now, to anybody, that, that didn't look like a brand. I don't know what's wrong with your eyeballs. Right. Maybe and if you've you only seen the circles, at least think ringworm or something, but it's like, right. no, no, come on. No. Yeah, Grandma's skin discoloration on the back of her neck looks like the face of Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> it's like it's a bit of a so she's Yeah, she's looking, there's a rash. <laughs> but then next nurse. you have, you know, the doctor's like, no, she's been branded. It was all dramatic. Yeah. But then on the, kind of going back to, then you have Sophie looking at the extra vial, like, what else can you cure? Right. Uh, you yeah. Know what? These two doctors are too much right now. Yeah. So now was that that was that second kid? I guess she was from the forty-seven survivors. Right. Yes. That's what. I, okay. That's what I thought. Good. Yeah. This was this was not somebody in the public. So if they were branded, is that brand? This is another question. I think it's kind of obvious, but um, is the brand? Something that signals that they're not the common folk, or is that something that Apex did to people who were not Apex? You know, well, branding, I have branding a feeling, like livestock. Right. Well, if you remember, they mentioned that some of the kids were taken because of their intelligence. 
Yeah, I have a feeling that Uh, is uh, uh. what they did to those kids was brand them so that when they were making raids, they would check the children's. If they were branded, they would leave them alone. Uh, Yeah. Not kill them like they did everybody else. I forgot about that. That's a good one. Yeah, I'd go with that. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Hmm, so many things to think about, guys. I was just too upset at that nurse calling that a rash. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get past that I'm point. I was you like, guys you guys didn't hear me where you were. Because I'm all... <laughs> there were some choice words that came out of my mouth, so... <laughs> all right, Steve, for The Crossing, do we have any feedback today? And yes, we do. We've got some audio feedback from our friend Fred in the Netherlands. So let's give it a listen. Hello, Sean, Terry, and Steve. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the 47 Survival Podcast about the Crossings episode, Season 1, Episode 5. In my feedback for the Episode 4 podcast, I mainly talked about Episode 3. So this feedback will possibly also include some minor stuff about Episode 4. First off, on Facebook there was some there was some discussion how large the first arrival group was. I took a screenshot when they walk away from the car accident of Marshall with his parents back in 2008. I counted 25 persons. When they have that present day meeting in 2018 in that house, they are with 12 people. So about half of them are there. Quote, Eve, is this it? And, and the darker woman says, Everybody, everyone who could make it is here, on short notice. Eve, well, it's good to see everyone. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances. The lady in charge of the first arrival group is still nameless in IMDb. The actress is Melinda McGraw. Lindauer calls her Eve. And in present day, she is Dr. Greta Pryor. I know this because when you look closely at Agent Ren's file, you can read it there. So, in conclusion, Eve and Lindauer are more or less in charge, although it seems she has more to say than he. The group first arrivals from 2008 was about 25 people, of which 12 could get together on short notice in 2018. The question is whether the other 13 all are still alive. Furthermore, their mission was clear kill all 27 people that have an important role in developing Apex. They succeeded in killing them by 2016, but obviously that was not enough to prevent prevent Apex. In that sense, Eve is right. This is an opportunity, otherwise they would have never known that they actually had failed. Nice quote from this episode. Uh, Jake, uh, the slim guy with the glasses from the first arrival group, I like my life. It is everything I never knew I always wanted. If you want, if you hear it for the first time, you really have to think what he is saying, but it's nice. The most annoying stuff I found, we didn't hear anything how Agent Ren's story is involving. Is she dead? After a terrible cliffhanger last episode, this episode we learn nothing about that. I think she should be alive because Lindauer says to Eve, so, you tell her a story. You don't put a bullet in her chest. If Agent Ren was dead, he probably would have said, So, you tell a story. You don't kill her. So, I think there is still hope for Agent Ren. 
There's one point I don't fully understand, and that's how Paul, Paul knows that Eve is his wife, Eve, is around in 2018, because of a discussion between Lindauer and Eve, and it goes like, Eve, you should have told me Paul was with them, Lindauer, had I known he was your husband, I would have, Eve, is he alright, Lindauer, he's fine, and I will make sure he stays that way, Eve, I never told him anything before we left. So, Paul's wife disappeared 170 years in the future. How can he assume that she is over here in this time period? One final nitpick, Lindauer says to Eve on the steps of Capitol Hill, Well, you're adjusting to life, aren't you? New husband, new baby. And Eve says, Not so new. Aaron is already walking. And I thought, isn't she a bit old for a baby? Although the actress probably had some work done on her face, I had the impression she was 50 plus. And indeed, Melinda McGraw is born in 1963, so 55. Funniest moment of the episode, at the end when Marshall asks to the cops, cops, so who were they? And Nestor replies, it's complicated. Which is exactly the same words as Jude said to Nestor some hours earlier. So, that was all for this time. Greetings all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Alright, Fred. The fact that you you did the screenshot and we didn't even think about it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I didn't even think to do that. And I have paused. Good job, Sean. <laughs> so about 25 people is what you got. We're assuming everybody was basically in, in shot. So... Only half of them are at least close enough to make it to the house. Right. So they've got to be all over the country and possibly the world. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting because they were 25 came back to try to kill 27. Now, those people they were trying to kill, of course, only had something to do with Apex evolving, not being Apex themselves. So I'm sure they thought everything would be fine, but obviously not so much. And I have to agree with you that Eve seems to be even more in charge, even though she's not in a position of power than Lindauer. Right. Oh, my yep. God. Totally agree with that. She seems to be the one who's calling most of the shots here, mm -hmm. or at least the most outspoken one. Yeah. <laughs> Agent Wren, I think she's dead. But we've said before, if we don't actually see a body. That's right. So I'm not sure if not a hundred percent sure. So thanks for that little question. Cause that's going to haunt me until we see a body now. <laughs> right. But I don't know. Steve, what do you think? It's weird because you look on IMDb, it shows she's credited for all for 11 episodes. It's like, huh? Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> if they refer to her, maybe she was, it was like flashbacks and we haven't seen them. Because if yeah, they cut it out of the episodes, I mean, she was still in it, technically. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, it, two episodes, yeah, it's not looking good. Right. And so of course, we don't see Lindauer and Eve don't mention disposing the body, so. I mean, you know, he just it, talks about shooting her. Right. Like, I don't know. So. Still, I got giant question mark in my face with that one. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a really good question, though, that he brought up about. Paul knowing that his wife was there. Right. I didn't even think about that when we were just talking about, about Paul. Yeah. How would he know exactly where they came back in time 
at and how does he know for sure that there she was part of the group that did? Well, you I know, mean, that's my question is. Oh, see, I thought he knew that she was going back, but didn't know why. Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, I don't know. I guess. Well, I'm going to hope that they bring that up again. But right. I don't know. I feel like that might be one of those things that they kind of throw away. Much like the other thing that was pointed out about Eve having a new life, a new husband and a baby. Now, I was thinking okay, she was remarried, and that maybe, because she doesn't exactly look like she'd be having a kid anytime soon, that maybe it wasn't her kid, that maybe her new husband had a kid, and possibly this is, the kid is older, and this was maybe a grandkid that they were talking about, so I mean, it's still a new baby. Right. Because if you're thinking she's in her 50s, that's not exactly too far-fetched. True. But... Maybe she didn't um, have And, a of kid. course, that was also 10 years ago, so. Oh, I forgot See, that was that in 2008. Time. Yeah, that was in 2008 that they had that discussion on the steps. Okay. And mentions the baby, so. Okay, so she would have been maybe in her 40s. 30s, early 40s. Okay, you know right. what? Then it may well be her kid. I was thinking, like, I just totally mixed that timeline. Right. Okay, maybe Fred did, too. Yep, that's possible. Because, yes, because women over here are having kids later in life. Yes, they are. Into their Well into their 40s. <laughs> and some in their 50s. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Look at a lot of those there. actresses that yeah. <laughs> have a well, much later in life. That's true. I mean, didn't Janet Jackson just have a baby? I think so. Yeah. Ah, so anyway. Once again, thank you for the great feedback, Fred. We appreciate it, and we look forward to your weekly feedbacks because you catch some good stuff every time you bring up some points that are very valid thank you fred well we want to thank everybody and i mean everybody that live tweeted this episode who do you want to thank oh all of them every single one of them phil michelle steven i didn't confuse anybody this time (laughs) yeah yay Yeah, I actually had to watch the episode again this afternoon to make sure I didn't miss anything because I was too busy. It's hard with some of these that we do. It's like you get so yes, it is. Oh wait, I gotta say something. Yeah. So thank you guys. And this, you know, struggling with us. And this one had so much in it. This was a packed episode. It was really good. Getting into a little more of the mythology of the series. Yes. Yes. Start create that now. Yeah, I'm digging it. So, uh, hey, we, uh, we want to ask you to please uh, review and rate us over on that iTunes thing. And uh, with good ratings and reviews, it helps other fans of the show find us. Because we're lonely. We need to be found. <laughs> so we ask, well, Steve is, uh, tell your friends uh, about the show, and we hope that you are enjoying the podcast. It sounds like we're having an existential crisis here. Yeah. <laughs> because we also want you to contact us. So there we go. Uh, yeah. So if you're going to be on Twitter, you can tweet along with Steve on this one at 47 Survivors because when I do it, I will be on our um, FGC podcast. So I don't confuse everybody. <laughs> I think you just did. Yeah, I know. So at 47 Survivors, you can find us that way. It's so much easier. Uh, on Facebook, <laughs> we're at FG Zone. Instagram is the Fangirl Zone Podcast. And of course, you can just head over to the website, www.fangirlzone.com, and just hit the contact page, 
and all the stuff's there too. And you can email us that way at contact us at fangirlzone.com. Excellent. So uh, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. We'll catch you next time. And if they're supposed to be helpful, why do they call them vials? And this is Steve. If I'd known I was going to be a hostage when I left for work yesterday morning, I would have made better plans. And this is Sean. And until next time.